On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model 3 achieves a significant sales milestone in Europe, the Model S Plaid wins a notable race in America, Tesla gives us a date for its upcoming annual shareholders meeting, and more. Welcome, friends, to episode 353. That is a palindrome of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for May 8th, 2022. And that means I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of the moms listening to the podcast, including my wife, who unfortunately has no choice but to listen to this podcast every week involuntarily while I record it with my very loud radio voice from across the hallway. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my mother in Arizona, and I want to send a special Happy Mother's Day wish to my friend Christy from Austin, who gave birth to her first child just a few weeks ago. She might be the newest mom in the Ride the Lightning audience. I think there's there's a pretty good chance of that. Uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, one more note before I get started with the Tesla news. For my California listeners this week, the various... California Tesla Owners Clubs are putting on their second annual California Takeover event. It will be a gigantic meeting in San Luis Obispo. Should be a really cool event, so go to teslatakeover.com to learn more if you are interested. All right. There is plenty to talk about in the world of Tesla news this week. I want to start with the day and time, or at least the day. We've got the date so far, not the time. I should correct myself there. Tesla announces the date for their annual shareholders meeting. It will not be in the what had mostly been usual early June timeframe, which obviously would have seen it coming up in just a month from now had it stuck to that. But instead, it will be in early August. Tesla tweeting from its official company account this week, quote, Tesla's 2022 annual shareholder meeting will be on August 4th in Austin, Texas. Thank you for your support of Tesla. Well, that then, we can finally mark our calendars, is when we should finally learn about the stock split that's been proposed. And in fact, we should learn at that point both whether it will be approved by shareholders and assuming that it is, how many ways the stock will split. I'll just put this out there with a huge grain of salt. There is a rumor that I personally can't validate, maybe true, might not be, but there is a rumor out there that it will be a 20-way split. But that is nothing but a rumor for now. We should know more in about three months from right now, 90 days. If you're interested in going, because it's now, you know, this is going to be the first in-person, at least I, I am uh, presuming that it is going to be in person. They did not specify that it was going to be a digital-only event, which is what it was last year. And then, of course, in 2020, it was here in California, in Fremont. It was at it was part of Battery Day. It was combined with Battery Day last year. They went to a they were in Austin, but is a digital-only format. So, if indeed a t uh, shareholders are able to physically go, and as far as I know, there shouldn't be any reason why that wouldn't happen. 
Uh, all restrictions, COVID restrictions have been lifted in Texas, so presumably Tesla will have this uh, with shareholders able to attend. So any Tesla shareholder can attend the meeting. You have to verify your holding, your shares, but space is usually limited. That's what I wanted to tell you. You'll have to register ahead of time, and then what's going to happen is it is a first-come, first-served situation in terms of seating. So, and by that, I mean on the day of. You can register for the meeting, register your shares at any point. It's not first come, first served there, but the day of, it will be first come, first served in terms of the seating. You'll receive an email if you are a shareholder from the firm that you have your shares through with instructions on registering. You should see that in the next probably 30 days or so, if I remember correctly, from last year. Now, a reminder... One of the reasons you might want to go, besides just to go, is that shareholders in attendance have a chance to ask questions of Elon and the executive team during the meeting. There have been both really great questions asked over the years and some silly ones too, if I'm being honest. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to ask one at Battery Day, which uh, I've played on the podcast before, so I've I can at least chalk up. I've I've been lucky enough to participate in this. If you want to go and try to line up to ask a question, I'll just give you one little piece of advice. I did this myself at Battery Day two years ago, or yeah, two years ago, and that is this: think about your question now. You know, think about it in advance. Write it down in your phone. Have it easily accessible so that you can read it right off your phone, because you might get nervous if you're going to be in front of a crowd, you're going to be in front of Elon. You're totally a human reaction, so have it written down, have it ready to go. And hopefully, uh, in addition to in-person questions, Tesla will take Twitter questions again ahead of time. I was able to get one of those through a few years ago. Back when they, you know, pre-COVID, they were still doing the in-person shareholder meetings in, in Mountain View, but they also uh, pulled some good questions from Twitter, and mine uh, was was uh, lucky enough to be one of the ones selected a few years back. So that could be an option as well. We'll keep an eye on the official Tesla Twitter account for that, because uh, and that's for any of you not able to be there in person in, in attendance, which I am one of those people. I'm not going to be in Texas for this. We might at least have a chance to get a question answered. So as always, when the day comes in early August. I will have a recap and analysis episode right after the event happens. Next up this week, continuing the good sales news for Tesla from last week's podcast, I can tell you this week that the Model 3 was the best-selling car in Europe, period, in the month of March. Not the best-selling EV or the best-selling sedan, best-selling car That's it. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, This story uh, was reported by Jato Dynamics, J-A-T-O, and I saw it via teslanorth.com, who reports, Tesla's Model 3 once again topped overall new car sales in Europe during March, with a total of 23,013 units registered across the region. 
Model 3 sales were down 3% year over year from the 23,758 units that were registered in March of 2021, but that dip seems relatively insignificant given the European automotive market as a whole slumped 19% from 1.37 million new registrations in March of 2021 to just 1.12 million in March of this year. Quarterly new car registrations were down 10% year over year from 3.05 million units in Q1 2021 to 2.73 million in Q1 of 2022, the lowest seen since 1985. A growing disparity between the demand and supply of new cars has contributed to the drop in new vehicle registrations in Europe, but so has the fallout from Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine. Quote, although Ukraine is not a large market for European car exports, with a small market relative to its population, it remains to be an important source of vehicle parts for major European OEMs, said Felipe Munoz, global analyst at Jado Dynamics. Uh, and that I can at least anecdotally support with a story that I read, I guess uh, maybe a month or so ago now, because unfortunately the Russian invasion of Ukraine has been going for a couple of months at this point. But the Porsche Taycan, and I believe maybe a couple of other Porsches as well, had to actually stop production because there was a there was at least one part, I can't remember if it was one part or multiple parts, that were sourced out of Ukraine that Porsche was unable to get. So production actually had to come to a halt for a time. Uh, if you're curious about the top 10 in Europe in the month of March 2022, it went like this. The Model 3, as already uh, mentioned, at 23,000 and change, down 3% year over year. In second place, pretty close behind, the Peugeot 208, 21,026 units, down 17% year over year. The Model Y at 18,968. That is a new entry. There were no Model Ys in Europe at this point last year. Number four, the Volkswagen Golf, uh, fairly close behind the Model Y, 16,784. Right behind that, the Dacia Sandero, at just a, just a couple dozen behind that, and then uh, continuing and still bunched up, the Citroen C3, the Fiat 500, uh, and then the Ford Puma, Toyota Yaris, and Opel Corsa rounding out the top 10. All those cars, except the Dacia, down significantly year over year. The Dacia, the only one to make gains year over year. Now, uh, one quick kind of side note, just for me as an American, it's always interesting to me how many cars are sold in Europe that aren't sold here in the U.S., I mean, on that list, exactly half of that top 10 are cars that are not available stateside. I mean, I guess we probably can say the same thing about vehicles here. There are a number of vehicles here that aren't sold in Europe, but I would suspect that most of them are pickup trucks. I'm not sure how many of them are cars, be, it, be they sedans, midsize, compacts, hatches, etc. But anyway... The biggest threat to the Model 3 moving forward, and I mean no disrespect to the Peugeot 208, which, as I said, was close behind the Model 3 on this list. Although, in the Model 3's favor, 
I looked it up. There is quite a price discrepancy between the two cars. The Peugeot 208 is a lot cheaper than the Model 3, which uh, just, you know, lends a little extra credibility and weight to the Model 3's number one ranking on this list. But I think the biggest threat to the 3 on for next year or next month even, or well, maybe not next month, but later this year, is the Model Y, which will probably make its way. In fact, I don't even want to say probably. I would say almost certainly will make its way up this list from the number three perch that it's at now, probably to number one, passing the Model 3, and probably at some point over the course of this year as Giga Berlin ramps up its production capability. So good news out of Europe for Tesla. They are making, I mean, you you notice that list, that top 10 list. There are no other, well, I guess there's one. There's the Ford is the only other American car company on that list. So good to see Tesla repping the USA doing well in Europe. And what leads to high sales? I ask you as I segue into the next story. High production levels, of course. And this next story comes via Teslarati. The Fremont factory here in California is reportedly running at 10 to 20% above capacity, according to analyst Trip Chowdhury of Global Equities Research. Teslarati writing, the Fremont factory has an annual production run rate of 600,000 vehicles, as Tesla stated in its most recent shareholder deck, breaking down to about 150,000 vehicles per quarter, although side note, we know that that's generally not, it's not just the same all four quarters, but all right, we'll just roll with it. Tesla could be operating with at least 30,000 additional cars coming out of Fremont in Q2 a hefty supplemental number to accommodate lost progress in Shanghai this quarter. Chowdhury said his routine checks on Tesla's Fremont facility had been evidence of a massive production push in Northern California. This month especially has shown major progress. Quote, May 2022 is off to an extremely strong uh, Production, shipments, and deliveries. Extremely strong start. There's a word missing there. Chowdhury said in a note, Fremont factory is running 10 to 20% above capacity, he says, and comments as well that, quote, Q2 is shaping up to be a monstrous quarter. The note also stated that recent imagery of the Fremont factory seems to show more logistics vehicles arriving at Fremont especially when compared when comparing daily pickups of completed cars to the first quarter. Chowdhury estimates there are at least 20% more shipping trucks arriving at the facility compared to last quarter, which could indicate any number of things, including an increased need for vehicle haulers to push completed vehicles to their customers. I'll give you my quick anecdotal version or contribution to this, I guess would be a better way to say it, which it's not really a contribution because it's, it's just a, it's just a random observation that's not based in any sort of data or actual analysis on my part. But uh, I go, well, in my travels around the Bay Area, I often see, particularly early in quarters, I often see car carriers loaded with Teslas coming north up Highway 101 
heading for the port in San Francisco where they're going to get shipped out. I have not been seeing very many of those. In fact, uh, as I now think about it, as I'm saying this, last weekend when I was out and about, I saw a few car carriers worth of S's and X's. Not sure if they might have been going to Europe or not. I did not see the, uh, you know, wide, narrow, rectangular uh, European license plate brackets on them, as I do see on the threes and the Ys that I see shipments of go out. But in any case, if Tesla has, uh, I guess with Giga Berlin up, they don't need to ship Ys out to Europe anymore, but... And then the threes going to Europe are coming, I think, mostly out of, if not entirely, out of China. But obviously, those, these cars are going somewhere. They're going elsewhere in the United States. The waiting list, as many of you probably know, because you're on the waiting list, a long list for the Model Y and the Model 3 as well. So anyway, getting back to that. Getting back to the uh, Trip Chowdhury piece here, Elon says he's optimistic that Shanghai, which was alluded to there, will be able to match their impressive Q1 output despite the days lost to the mandatory government COVID lockdown in April. Talked about that a week or two back. Add those two with continued ramping out of both Texas and Berlin. Now the latter, Berlin delivering customer model Ys, the former Texas, at least as far as we know right now, still only delivering standard range all-wheel drive Model Ys to employees. But that's bound to end quite soon because if you just look at the math on it, you got 110,000 Tesla employees worldwide. How many of them would want that specific Model Y, the standard range all-wheel drive Model Y, 279-mile range, $60,000 vehicle. Some of them, certainly, but it can't be that many with production continuing in Texas. So I just have to imagine that that Texas-built standard range Y with the 4680 batteries and the structural battery pack is going to go on sale publicly any day now at this point. I know I've said that the last couple of shows, and I'm really surprised it's taken this long, honestly. But it's got to happen anytime now. And or Texas will also start production on long range Model Ys and performance Model Ys as well. Bottom line, Fremont's kicking butt and Texas should be should really start meaningfully contributing to production and delivery soon, and Berlin is in the early stage of their ramp, their production ramp as well. So more good news for Tesla and for people waiting for Model Ys because we need these factories ramped up so that this long Model Y wait time can start to get shorter. Next up this week, and speaking of production capacity, Giga Berlin will reportedly expand by 30% to make way for future operations. One more tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy here, although I did see this originally posted on Twitter by longtime Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt, so thanks to him as well. Tesla Roddy writing this up saying, new reports suggest the automaker will make a massive purchase of 100 additional hectares of land near its production facility known as Gigafactory Berlin in Grunheide. 
Tesla plans to use the new land for a freight station and storage purposes while keeping other areas on the property free as it could expand manufacturing operations in the future. Tesla currently owns nearly 300 hectares of land in Germany, where the Gigafactory Berlin plant currently stands. However, reports from German media outlet RBB24 now indicate that Tesla has plans to purchase an additional 100 hectares on the site, which would expand operations at the facility. According to the report, Tesla wants to keep vacant land that it already owns on the Giga, uh, Giga Berlin property free so that it can expand manufacturing operations later on. Construction could begin as soon as June of next year, 2023 at the earliest, again, according to that RBB24 report. First of all here, I must confess to all of you that while I've heard the term hectare before, I never actually learned how big an area it actually was. So I figured for this story, I better A, educate myself and B, be able to <laughs> help you guys out as well. Just in case like me, you've maybe heard the term, but aren't actually sure. Maybe I'm the only one. It's entirely possible. This may be a super common thing that I just missed growing up in school. But anyway, looked it up. It's about one hectare is about two and a half acres. It's 2.471 acres. So with that bit of context to help frame this potential expansion of Giga Berlin for you, let's talk about it. Now, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind here, and I hate to be pessimistic, but the Giga Berlin, uh, I, I am not sure it's gonna be easy for Tesla to make this happen. I think it will happen in time, but as you've all seen from following this, just as I have, the Giga Berlin project for whatever locally political, you know, local politics reason had challenge after challenge thrown at it to try and slow it down, usually an environmental based challenge. And seemingly those challenges were successful, at least in terms of slowing it down. I don't, I can't imagine any of those folks uh, who were opposing the, the Giga Berlin factory ever thought they'd actually stop it. They just figured they could slow it down. And they, again, they did seemingly do that because it barely beat Giga Texas to opening up and producing cars, despite a pretty good size head start that they had over Texas. Plus the Texas facility is bigger and it still got done just about at the same time, even after starting later than Berlin did. But Again, I'm sure this will get done in time. The real fun question becomes, what future production will it be used for? If we go way back, and this is one of those times where I, f I feel good and confident of <laughs> about, it, about talking about this, because from covering this company week after week for the last almost seven years, a lot of this is just stashed in my brain. This reminded me when I started thinking about this, Elon said a while back that he wanted to have a design studio in Berlin and have a team there that would design a vehicle for Europe. Now, presumably, this is my own speculation, but presumably that would be a hot hatch, something that is popular in Europe that could sell in volume. 
So we'll see. But the question really is, is that even still in the long-term plan now that the robo-taxi has been turned into its own vehicle and moved into the cleanup spot in the Tesla batting order right now behind the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster. See, anytime I can crowbar into baseball reference, I'm going to do it. But anyway, uh, we know that Tesla has to break into more vehicle categories. A lot more, in fact, in order to achieve its goal of producing, as you've heard many times now over the last two years, 20 million cars per year within the next decade. That is the goal by 2030 to be producing 20 million cars a year. Model Y demand, as great as it is, would at best account for maybe 10% of that 20 million per year. So that means there will be more cars. A minivan seems like a good idea. A hot hatch seems like a good idea. Perhaps a smaller truck, whether it's a cyber vehicle or, or a more traditional pickup, a coupe could be awesome. In fact, can we put Falcon Wing doors on a coupe? Just, you know, go maybe not full DeLorean because a DeLorean doesn't have a, a plus two back seat, but, you know, a, a go, I would, that would be very tempting if Tesla ever made a, a Falcon Wing doored two door coupe. That, that would that would make me a very happy Tesla fan if that ever happened. But anyway, I'm uh, back back down to earth after my little my little dream sequence there. You've got full size van, big market, potentially sprinter vans, huge market, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many more vehicle categories that Tesla can and probably will uh, break into at some point. So presumably, if uh, Berlin does, I mean, if, not if, when Berlin makes some more vehicles, they would probably maybe make the vehicles that would have the highest demand in the European market, whether it's the hot hatch, sprinter van, et cetera, et cetera. That would seem like a likely way to go. I mean, the point is there are plenty of veins left to mine in this transition to electric vehicles. Finally this week, here's a fun one. The Model S Plaid has emerged victorious as the overall winner of an event called the One Lap of America Racing Series. I want to say thank you to the Tesla Motors Reddit, which is where I saw this. Mountain Pass Performance, who if you're not familiar with them, they do aftermarket performance and suspension mods for Teslas. They posted this, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, read it to you here. They posted, what a day for the plaid. Andy managed to win today, not his class. Overall, he beat out every single car at one lap today in Nashville, including modified top flight sports cars driven by hired professional drivers. We couldn't be more proud, and to be honest, Never expected the car to be able to outright win a single event. No matter what happens from here on out, this is a major achievement and the first time an EV has won a round of one lap of America. I don't think anyone had it on their radar that this was possible. A very large four-door, 5,000-pound sedan beating out purpose-built supercar machinery. Wow. 
were a bit proud and Tesla should be as well. We improved the car, but they built it. Join us in congratulating Team PGR and wishing them luck for the coming events. So, and then they mentioned, in addition, our friends at FAF Motorsports won IMSA GTD Pro in their uh, plaid-wrapped GT3R. Congrats, boys. So, um, good stuff in the, as, as EVs start to now intrude upon the motorsports, the, and specifically the, uh, the winner circles of motorsports against gasoline-powered vehicles. And that's really the final frontier, isn't it? Like, if we're talking about the transition to EVs, you know, it's been, okay, well, sure, they're fast and off the line, fast in a straight line, but, well, they don't have great top speed, and they, you know, the batteries get hot, and they can't do multiple laps. Well, little by little, bit by bit, now we have the Plaid, that can go hard to 200 miles an hour. I guess not officially yet because they're still waiting on that last software update. I think, what's it at 163 now, I think? But soon, you know, the, the, the power curve, you've seen it from the Plaid launch event back in June of last year. The torque curve, the power band is insane on a Plaid. And if you've, if you've had the pleasure of driving one or riding in one, uh, yeah, you, you I can confirm for you that up to well over 100 miles an hour, that car just keeps pulling. So, and uh, having, again, had the good fortune to be at the Plaid launch event, Tesla had a number of Plaids doing those hot laps on the test track in Fremont, and those cars were just running all night long at all states of charge. They would just go and go and go. So the heating issue... Uh, becoming less of a factor, the longevity issue, less of a factor, the top end, less of a factor. And now you're seeing electric cars start to enter the winner's circles in events that feature gasoline-powered cars as well. So that's awesome to see. And the, of course, the, the ultimate, as, as stated by Elon five years ago, four and a half years ago, will be the Roadster, whose entire point of existence is to forever and definitively forever end the the argument that EVs are not superior in every way to a gas-powered car. So uh, it's cool to see the 5,000-pound, as, as Mountain Pass Performance said, it's cool to see the 5,000-pound, the 2.5-ton Model S doing work and emerging victorious in these kinds of events. And by the way, I think Elon would approve of the winning plaid's point turtle, uh, point total, not point turtle, point total in this circuit. You want to guess how many points the Mountain Pass plaid finished with? If you're guessing 420, you'd be correct. You can't make this stuff up, my friends. It can't be done. Of course a plaid won won the event with a point total of 420. You gotta love it. Oh, silly me, I forgot to tell you the details of the event. Just the <laughs> One Lap of America event. If, like me, you are not familiar with the One Lap of America series, thank you to Tesla Motors Reddit user Ghost Pirate for the quick summary of what the event's all about. So this is what the Plaid won. It sounds like a pretty cool endurance challenge. Uh, Ghost Pirate writes, 
You're timed at each of 14 tracks around the middle of the country. Your final score is your best lap based on time, not wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. Best score at the end wins it all. You must drive your car between tracks, so it has to be road legal, which cuts out the more specialized F1-style cars, and you have to run all the races and drive between tracks on one set of tires. And so, therefore, the car's got to be road legal, you know, no track-only specials. You know, 14 tracks, that's no joke. And having to drive the car on one set of tires between them also ups the degree of difficulty. So, the no surprise maybe then, I mean, it is, but it isn't, that you'd, you know, feel, you figure an all-around car would, would do well here. And the Model S Plaid is perhaps the best all-around car in the world. Supercar performance... Long range, luxury comfort, world-class safety, top shelf tech like autopilot, though that's not applicable in a race like this, and SUV-like cargo capacity. So uh, really cool stuff for the Plaid in the One Lap of America series. All right, stick with me. I'll be right back with a bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls right after this. Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. Be heard, literally. Uh, I would love to put you on if you've got a good Tesla question or comment or discussion topic. Dial me up. There are one of two easy ways that you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, uh, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. And email that file to me at the email address teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up, James from Southern California. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is James from Southern California calling in. Um, my delivery date's coming up. Uh, I recently received a two-week window um, for a rear-wheel rear drive Model 3, sorry. Um, and I'm coming up on my seventh-month orderversary as well, so I've been waiting uh, over half a year. Um, and so as my order comes up, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, I just had a few questions. Um, First, I've been hearing rumors that Tesla's removed the Matrix LED headlights from the lower trims of the Model 3 and left it solely on the performance, um, which would be a bummer uh, because that's one of the features I was really looking forward to um, in the future. Um, so I wanted to hear your thoughts about that. And then secondly, um, I wanted to ask about the sort of ambient lighting inside the base model. Because um, it's all wired up. I know it's there, um, but it's sort of software disabled. Um, and you've been following Tesla longer than I have. So um, do you think there's a possibility that in the future um, there might be a sort of software update that allows you to even pay for these? I'd like, I'd gladly pay 50 or or $100 to have my feet lit up, um, especially on such an expensive car. So 
Yeah. Thank you for all you do. The podcast has been sort of holding me through these past seven months. And so, um, yeah, thank you. James, I am happy that the podcast has been helpful to you, and I will do my best to be helpful in response to your call here. First, yes, I have also seen the same reports of recent non-performance Model 3 deliveries having the regular headlights and not the newer Matrix LEDs. Unfortunately, it's too anecdotal right now as I record this to know one way or the other what you're going to get. It's possible that the Matrix LED headlight supplier might have just fallen a little short for a week, thus necessitating the use of the regular ones for now, and at this point, by the, or by the time you take delivery, all will be well. Or it could be a permanent change. But even if you don't get them, honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about it. In my opinion, the regular Model 3 headlights are pretty good, honestly. Uh, in fact, as I recall, the U.S. government rates the headlights fairly well on the Model 3. In fact, I think, if I'm remembering this right, up until the Model S just recently upgraded its headlights, I think the 3's headlights were actually rated better by the, the U.S. government than the Model S's headlights. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but again, I wouldn't sweat it too much there. And then second... You are not the first standard Model 3 owner to ask about a software unlock for that ambient cabin lighting. It seems like a layup for Tesla to add that to the upgrades menu in your Tesla app. It would cost them next to nothing to do, and any takers they get, it would just be gravy. That's all that money would be. I haven't heard anything, so unfortunately I can't be concretely helpful for you on this one. But I do think the chances are fairly good that it will happen at some point. So congratulations on your upcoming delivery. And please enjoy that long-awaited delivery day. It's such a fun, special day. I have very fond memories of mine. Uh, and I hope you have a great day as well. Our next caller is Ethan from California. Hey, Ryan. Ethan here from California. First-time caller, long-time listener. Um, I'm just calling... In response to, um, I forget who it was last week who was talking about installing a, a destination charger at their building, then they weren't sure um, if they would be the only one using it or not. Um, I would like to point out that if they get a Gen 3 Tesla uh, destination charger, there is a there is a software lock on them now where you can actually limit who can charge there to either only Teslas or to VIN-associated Teslas. So you can just plug the car in, go into the settings, and say that the, the car that is currently charging is the only one allowed to charge there. And that way they can make sure that they're not paying for other people's charging. Well, thank you, and I guess that's it. Ethan, thanks for the call. Uh, yes, that was Oliver from Delray Beach, Florida, who I hope is listening, because the, your call and the next call are both for him. So And anybody else that, that might find it helpful. So... Uh, I appreciate your response, Ethan, because it is a helpful one, hopefully for Oliver and, and again, hopefully for others as well. And now that you've jogged my memory on that, I can also add that at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, Tesla is also going to be adding the ability to bill people through the Gen 3 wall connector and its Wi-Fi connection as well. So that could make it enticing to Oliver, uh, and specifically Oliver's building manager, in that if and, if and when he ever moves out, 
that building manager might want to try and buy the charger from him and continue using it for future tenants. So thanks, Ethan. And let's get one more call on this topic. I put out the call for help with, to the Ride the Lightning audience, and you guys responded, which I sincerely appreciate, and I'm sure Oliver does too. So here's Andres from South Florida, also responding to Oliver. And it's Andres from South Florida. I'm calling in um, as I heard the request uh, in question that Oliver had around installing a home charger at his building. Um, believe uh, he's in Miami. So I have some experience. Um, we do have assigned parking outside uh, on my house, and uh, it's no garage, so I had to install um, a charger um, that uh, stands right next to my parking spot. Um, I was lucky enough to be close enough to my home that I had an electrician put a line uh, directly from my house underground to the charger, so I'm the only one that can charge as well as I pay for my own electricity. Um, however, I did have to go through um, the HOA, so the uh, Homeowners Association, um, but I'm sure that uh, he'll be able to state a good case as to why uh, they should allow him to do it. Number two, if he does install a meter, I'm sure that uh, the homeowner association can see that uh, he'll be the only one uh, consuming the electricity. Um, my best practice would be to ensure that you're um, charging overnight and that you give it a departure time. Uh, so that way, Tesla, your car will start charging um, as late as possible since obviously rates for uh, electricity are much cheaper in the middle of the night. Hope this helps. Thanks for all you do and uh, talk to you soon. Some good tips there, Andres. Thank you very much for sharing your experience. Again, hopefully Oliver and perhaps some other folks as well will find some wisdom in that to apply to their own situation out there. Uh, let's move on to other topics. Here's Aaron from North Carolina talking Cybertruck. Hi, Ryan. This is Aaron from North Carolina. I have a question about Cybertruck pre-orders. I reserved mine back in October 2020, and back then, FSD was only $8,000. Now, uh, the Cybertruck won't come out until 2023. Do you think uh, Tesla will honor the price that we reserved at um, instead of the new $12,000 price? Thanks. Aaron, you are not the first person to ask this question, nor will you be the last. It is a big question, given the insanely large number of Cybertruck reservations out there. And truth be told, you can make the argument either way. And I think Tesla could go either way on this. On the one hand, Tesla honored it for Model Y pre-orders. On the other hand, Model Y pre-orders were actual $2,500 orders and not simply $100 reservations. There is a big difference there. Given that you can't select anything now when you make a $100 Cybertruck reservation, not the trim anymore, not the full self-driving package anymore, that actually does give me some hope that yes, Tesla will honor the FSD price at the time for reservation holders. But unfortunately, we just won't know for sure until closer to production, perhaps much closer to production like 
as production is starting. That is uh, what history has taught me with regard to that potential ending to this story. So we'll see. Next up is Tamer from Beaverton, Oregon. Hey, Ryan, this is Tamer from Beaverton, Oregon. I wanted to talk about the, the Connecticut bill and Tesla's ability to sell direct there. Um, I, I actually think you know, what, what you talked about last week was improving you know, the buying experience, and, and definitely that's, that's where it's going. But I also think the legacy automakers are are going to be doing that as well. So I think it's going to be transitioning uh, as well. And to talk about the layoffs and 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 traditional legacy dealerships closing, I think most of the used car dealerships will be there, will remain, and actually maybe even grow. And then the actual dealerships, the new car dealerships uh, franchise. They probably be purchased by the legacy automakers directly because they will need eventually a place to service and deliver the cars if they do start going more of a direct model, uh, direct purchase and delivery like Tesla, which I think they will. So I think that losing employees and you know hurting the economy, I, I don't see that happening. Um, also, I think you can also look at the examples in other areas where Tesla's allowed to sell and see if the dealerships are hurting and the automotive you know, market is hurting. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Thank you. Tamara, I appreciate your call because I think you bring up a good point here. As the entire car industry, and in fact the entire world, transitions to electric vehicles, the cars become more and more quote-unquote proprietary in that the average consumer literally cannot wrench their own cars, with rare exceptions. Uh, maybe you can, you can balance your own, <laughs> or rotate your own tires, I should say. Admittedly, uh, there's enough tech in new ICE cars now where wrenching your own car is already pretty difficult, but I think you're right. It is entirely possible that the legacy automakers are going to want to transition to direct sales themselves as they transition to electric vehicles. And your thought about buying up those existing third-party dealers would seemingly be a quick and easy way to do that. Those people are, after all, already trained up on the sales and maintenance of that company's cars. In fact, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. Why wouldn't the other car companies, the legacy automakers want to do this. They would be keeping 100% of all the money instead of having to give the dealers a cut. So I suspect in time, you'll be proven correct on this. Thank you again for calling in. Uh, let's go to Jean-Michel from London. Hi, Ryan. This is Jean-Michel calling from London in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I'm just calling in regarding the Harris Ranch 96 stall supercharger. Firstly, I think that's amazing and uh, very excited to see some larger charges here in the UK. But I was thinking, I wonder whether the in-car nav should actually direct you to a suitable charger. Here in the UK, we have some split between V2 and V3. Um, so there is a little bit of load sharing going on and not all owners know about that. It could just be a suggestion, um, but perhaps we'll help people to find a charger faster. Thanks very much. Love the show. Keep it up. I love the idea. Yes. 
Thankfully, it's becoming less necessary as time goes on since every new supercharger that gets built is a V3 where you don't have to worry about uh, spacing out from people. In fact, though, you've inspired a question that I wish I had the answer to. So I'll just float it aloud for uh, you know food for thought here. I wonder what percentage of the world's superchargers, you know, both maybe America, but also the world, you're calling in from London, what percentage of the world's superchargers are V3s at this point? Like, are we, have we reached the tipping point where the V3s outnumber the V2s? I'll bet they do by this point, but I wonder if it's close or not, or if it's just like there are way more V3s now than V2s. But back to your idea, it is certainly something that Tesla can do. They update the status of the superchargers every five minutes in the in-car display, and as you know, they now tell you also which specific stalls are out of order, if any. So a recommended charger is certainly a thing that I think would be on the table, and it would be great to see at the existing V2 superchargers specifically. Thank you so much for your call. Let me go next to Daniel in Austin. Hey, Ryan. This is Daniel Gaston. I'm vacationing down in Austin, Texas for some reason. I was just calling to say the gas stations here in Texas, they have a place called Bucky's, which is just this massive gas station. has like 46 pumps, and there's tons of stuff to do inside while you're gassing up all the ATVs and other vehicles. I was wondering, do you know if Tesla has any plans to convert, like, Kowloon City or other superchargers to be very road trip-centric supercharging stations where there's stuff to do inside? Daniel, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for calling in. Well, I sure hope so, but my gut says that stuff like that is probably going to be more of a future phase thing. The priority now has to simply be getting more superchargers out there. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great that we have Kettleman City out on that busy Interstate 5 route between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And Kettleman's got that awesome lounge, the cappuccino bar, the merch stand, clean restrooms, uh, you know, little workspaces. It's got a lot of great stuff. And the drive-in that we're hopefully going to be getting in Santa Monica, which would obviously be more of a destination than a road trip stop since it's in Santa Monica proper. Uh, you know, there's that to look forward to as well. But I'll tell you, I have no idea or I have no doubt rather, no doubt that we'll get there in time to more of that kind of thing. Safe travels to you, Daniel. I've got one more call this week. It is from Peter in Wisconsin. Hello, Ryan. Um, this is Peter. Uh, formerly Peter from Salem, I called a couple times a few months ago. Now I'm Peter from Amory, Wisconsin. Anyways, the main reason for my call is because uh, we are we purchased a uh, used Model Y. We were lucky to snatch one off the website, and we're taking delivery of it today. So we're really, really excited. I think it's maybe a year or so old. It's not doesn't have too much mileage, so it's going to be great. Um, I wanted to know if there are any particular things you recommend, like products or 
you know, things for general care. Um, you know, I know you've talked about things like uh, ceramic coating and cane protective film. I'll have to see if it's worth doing that because we don't really know if there's any damage and if, you know, if it's worth trying to pay all the money to put something on top of a car that may already have some uh, scratches. I don't know. Uh, if you recommend otherwise, then I will certainly listen to that. Um, so, yeah, if you have any recommendations of really what to to get, um, uh, just kind of for the, for the car so we make sure that it's maintained and taken care of well, uh, I would really appreciate any sort of recommendations. Um, and anyways, yeah, I hope I'm not going past my 90-second limit. Uh, thanks again for all the amazing information. It's really a great joy to hear you every week. And now that I'm listening from the beginning, I can listen to it daily. Thank you very much, and have a good rest of your day. Bye. Hi, Peter. Thank you for your call, and thank you for sticking with me for so long as well. First up, most importantly, congratulations on your Model Y. That is awesome. The answer to your question is, in my humble opinion, it depends on how crazy you want to go. Me, for instance, I recognize that I probably care too much. I've got the ceramic coating. I've got the paint protection film. I've had the paint correction, the whole thing. I am just hardwired. I've been this way my whole life. Even I had one pair of Air Jordans when I was a kid, and I took such good care of those, and I finally just, you know, outgrew them at some point. But it's, I've just, I don't know. I've I'm just been hardwired my whole life to try and take as good a care of my stuff as I can. And in this case, with this car, it's something that I had planned for for many years and saved up for and waited for and wanted so badly, and it's the most expensive thing I've ever bought now that I'm lucky enough to have it. So I go crazy taking care of it. For lots of other people, let's call them normal people, I'm definitely not normal, for lots of other folks, they see it as just a car that's going to take some abuse, some little scratches, some little dings, whatever, and they're fine with that, they just drive the car and enjoy it. More power to those folks. But I will say that if you're planning to keep it for a while and you want to keep it looking good, you definitely could have a professional detailer do paint correction. Because what that's going to do is it's going to get rid of most, if not all, of any little scratches or issues with the finish that have built up over its time before you bought it. And you could also do the paint protection film on at least the front part of the car like just up up to the windshield to help protect it as to to help protect it too from you know in those the high impact areas you know the front of the car obviously is where the most stuff is going to is going to impact the car but again you certainly don't have to a simpler more practical and certainly more affordable recommendation that I can give you aside from professional detailing would be all weather floor mats particularly since you live in Wisconsin where you've got winters to contend with. I really like the official Tesla ones a lot. I'm using those year-round in my Model Y, uh, in my Model 3, pardon me. But you can shop around at the third-party vendors too if you don't like the ones that Tesla is selling. I hope that helps. Again, Peter, congratulations on that Model Y. And thanks to all of you who took the time to call in. I will do more phone calls next week. So please give me a ring if you've got some Tesla topic 
on your mind. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment, so refer back there. And for now, stick around. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As far as what's going on with me and my car, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my tires this week. No, thankfully, knock on wood, I have not sustained any new tire punctures or tire damage. But I've been thinking, actually, it's kind of the opposite. It's, wow, my tires have have been on a while. I must be getting close to having it be time to replace them. And this was kind of spurred on from an email I got uh, from the, the place that I get my tires rotated and I bought the tire insurance from, America's Tire. And they sent me an email. They had a promotional thing of... It's like $110 off of a set of Michelins. And, uh, well, I'm using Michelins on my car, on my Model 3 Performance. And I was like, well, 110 is, you know, it's not nothing. That's, that's a nice amount of money. Well, maybe I'm due. Maybe I'm due. So I actually stopped by the, uh, the America's Tire, and they kindly checked my tread. And much to my delight... I still have six thirty seconds of tread left, and as you, many of you probably know, you want to replace the tires when they get down to about two, two thirty seconds. So that's great news. That means I've still got some more meat on these things, and you may be wondering, well, okay, Ryan, how long have they lasted? My first set that, uh, if you've been listening for a long time, you may remember I ended up replacing shortly before. They had a little more life left in them, but really not much. They, they, uh, two of them blew out on a pothole on the freeway at high speed at uh, about 16,000 miles. I think it was, yeah. And then I had new ones on, but then I got my new wheels from the referral program, the zero G wheels. So those wheels and tires went on at 21,000 miles. I'm now at 41,000 miles so these tires have lasted 20K, which most of you are like, uh, that's not very good. But for the Performance 3 and relative to my first set that probably would have gone maybe another couple thousand, that's pretty good uh, from what I understand from a lot of the other Performance Model 3 owners as well. So 20,000 and counting. I've still got some tread left on there. So that makes me happy. I don't know if I'm just not as... Uh, doing as many launches as I did in my earlier days with the car. But point being, I am happy that uh, the Performance Model 3 can exceed 20,000 miles on a set of 20-inch summer tires. Hey, uh, how about an entertainment recommendation? And I want to recommend Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. I've actually still got two more episodes left to watch, but it is really good. I knew nothing about the character, the comic, going into the show. Oscar Isaac is fantastic in it. It's very different. It's got a whole different feel and tone and vibe than the other Disney Plus Marvel shows. I'm very much enjoying it. So, and it's definitely family friendly. Uh, so check it out if you are interested in uh, a new good show to watch. How about a pro tip of the week? Take it away, Somi from Vancouver, longtime listener. Hello, Ryan. This is Somi from Vancouver, British Columbia. 
Um, I have a pro tip for you. It comes out of my road trip that I took to Austin, Texas for the grand opening of the Tesla factory there, also to uh, Boca Chica for SpaceX, uh, visited the Grand Canyon, Las Vegas, uh, ended with Coachella before coming back home. It was a, that's a fantastic trip. But I did notice is that I got kicked out of autopilot a lot more than the last time I was road tripping in the U.S. And I was told that um, because I now have FSD beta, which I got uh, about two weeks before I left, that that limits your AP your your speed on autopilot on the highway to 80 miles per hour. Uh, I recall that it used to be 90 miles per hour before I got FSD beta. Uh, and so it got a little annoying. It happened a lot. Uh, it was especially problematic in California where they drive a lot faster. Uh, in Texas where the speed limit actually is 80 miles per hour. Um, so I had to pull off and I, so each time that I stopped, I kind of scienced my way through trying to see how much faster I could get back on the road. And so this is my pro tip on this, the fastest way that I know to get back on the road. And that basically is to um, pull off to the next exit or to, if it's safe, pull off to the side of the highway, put it in park, press the lock icon, and then you're ready to go. <laughs> you can literally put it on drive and take off. That's all you have to do. You don't have to get out of the car to wait for it to reset or anything like that. Just park, lock icon, and then you can put it in drive. I hope that helps. Somi, thank you for this. It's true. You don't actually have to spend any time in AP jail if you get thrown in there, as long as you just stop and put the car in park. Apparently, all of the newer Teslas with vision-only autopilot as well as folks like yourself who are in the FSD beta, which uses vision only, have that 80 mile per hour cap. But the good news is that I believe the limit went up to 90 in the most recent update or is about to, it's one of those two. So the good news, the next time you do a big road trip, at least with the FSD beta, it shouldn't be such an annoying problem. And I presume that if it's going up for the FSD beta vision cars, they're going to roll that out to the entire vision-only fleet as well. So uh, just like the radar cars can go up to 90, hopefully the vision cars are following suit. And by the way, if anybody else has a pro tip of the week, I would love to hear it so that I can learn something and I can pass it along to the Ride the Lightning audience and they can learn something as well. So send your pro tips of the week to me the same way that you send the regular hotline calls, which I talked about earlier in the podcast. Time to mention some friends of the podcast before I go, starting with abstractocean.com. They've got all kinds of neat stuff for the S, the 3, the X, and the Y, any of the Teslas. They've got a ton of great aftermarket accessories from lighting kits to tempered glass screen protectors. Uh, that, that screen protector now, by the way, it's fourth gen at this point. They've, they've revised it a few times. It is now, it's got the subtle curve in the bottom of the glass. It's got the aluminosilicate glass, which is the same stuff that Corning uses for their Gorilla Glass. It's got antimicrobial coating, all kinds of neat stuff. So they've really honed that product over the years. There are improved interior LED lighting kits with you know either brighter white or just change the color. So just take a look, see what they've got. There's no, you got nothing to lose. Go to abstractocean.com, see what they've got. And if there's anything you like, throw it in the cart. 
buy it, but before you check out, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. The Snap Plate, meanwhile, can be acquired at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that I highly recommend rather than using the one that Tesla gives you, which uses automotive tape to stick to the front end of your car. The snap plate doesn't do that, and it has a nice minimal look. It can come off easily if you want it to come off, but when it's on, it's on there securely. Get yours, again, all four Teslas this is available for, everyamp.com slash RTL. How about budget-safe solar? So every Tesla owner that I know, including myself, has a pretty good idea, if not an exact idea, of how much the electricity costs for the car. Now, that is, we know today, but we don't know how much those rates are going to go up in the next 5, 10, 15 years, unless you've got solar, in which case, you're good to go. You know what your energy costs are. Zero. So if you've, or at least your electricity costs. So if you have thought about getting solar installed at your home or office, I'd love for you to contact friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar at their website, budgetsafesolar.com. Their little motto is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. I say it with a, you know, with a cheeky, goofy voice, but that is really what they're out, out to do is just, you know, get your... Go renewable, get your ener- your electricity costs fixed by going solar. You'll be in good shape. And by the way, if you're considering entering the growing field of solar, they'd love to talk to you as well. Learn more and or reach out at budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do decide to go through with a solar order for your home or office, please use the referral code RTL. I would greatly appreciate that. How about Immaculate Reflections? We had a caller this week talking about asking about detailing, uh, and I gave my answer there and, and the uh, my enabler <laughs> for my insanity, and I say this in the most loving way, he's probably smiling right now listening to this, is Jeff McGovern, owner and proprietor at Immaculate Reflections, an amazing detail shop, amazing shop here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. So if you are here or going to be here with your car Treat your car, treat yourself at Immaculate Reflections, whether you want to do the paint protection film over some or all of the car. You want to do the paint correction. Maybe you want to do the ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the thing for the next three to five years because that's how long ceramic coating lasts. Any of that, all of that, the good news is any work that you book with Immaculate Reflections, just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener And there's a nice little discount waiting for you. So thank you to Jeff at Immaculate Reflections for continuing to make that very generous offer to the Ride the Lightning audience. And you can book in with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections via his website, which is irdetailing.com. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? That simple website will take you to the one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I use one of their products myself. It's it's bulletproof. It just works. I've got the 128 gigabyte kit, which is $49, shipped free anywhere in the US. There's also a $69 kit. That's 256 gigs. They even also sell, optionally, of course, a slim, like nice low-profile 
Profile Wireless Game Controller Kit if you do a lot of gaming in your Tesla. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada. Jada's got a number of excellent, very high quality products. I love Jada stuff. I've, I've been you know mentioning them on the podcast here for years now because they do what I love, which is making just aftermarket stuff that looks stock. Like it looks like it came with the car. Um, that's what I'm into. I like when a, when a third-party solution is indistinguishable from the first-party solution. So they've got the Jada Hub console, the USB Hub console that is a storage organizer, USB Hub, Apple Watch charger, and AirPod charger all in one. That's for the newer Model Ys and Model 3s that have the newer center console style. They also have the Jada tray for the older cars. I've got a Jada tray in mine, which has the uh, the storage organizer and the AirPod and uh, phone, uh, excuse me, watch charger in there. And then I also have their wireless charging pad in my, I guess, older, we now have to call it, older Model 3 being a 2018. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. If any of that interests you, use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount. All I ask in return is that you buy through my referral link because full transparency, they'll throw me a couple of bucks from the sale if you do. So please go to my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. That is the ideal way that you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts at the podcast. Uh, The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. And in return for that five bucks a month, you will get early access to each week's episode. As you step up and go to the higher tiers, There are more and more perks and little bonuses that I offer up uh, that stack. So, you know, the high, if if you go all the way up, you get all the the perks and bonuses. So I would be humbled and grateful if at some point in time you'd take a look at that Patreon page, which again is at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. My hope is that it's obvious week in and week out that I do put in a lot of time energy, research, love, and enthusiasm into this podcast, in addition to the fact that I have the receipts to show that I am here every single week. I pride myself on that. So uh, again, I hope that maybe some combination of those things will, uh, will earn me your Patreon support at some point. Finally, if you're not already getting the podcast delivered to you automatically for free, Each week, of course, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific is when each episode is released. You can just subscribe. Again, that's that's no cost. Uh, You can subscribe on any of the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, or on YouTube. It's just audio only, but if you do just like to listen on YouTube because you've got a YouTube tab open all day, go for it. You can just search... Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube should pull my channel right up. You can subscribe right there. If you want to email me, you can do so anytime. The email address is 
teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both Twitter and Instagram, if you're interested in following me on either or both of those social media platforms. And before I go, I would like to say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. Let me start with the Roadster in Space tier crew this week. Thank you very much for your extreme generosity to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, and Tesla Hitchhiker 42. A big thank you as well to the generosity of the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, John Schmidt, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams. By the way, I, I erroneously, last week, when I was talking about the soon-to-be world's largest supercharging station at Harris Ranch, that is San Joaquin Valley territory. My apologies to Joe and the crew in the San Joaquin Valley. I did not mean to uh, to insult you guys on that one. No, no harm intended. It's all love. Thank you guys for your maximum plaid Patreon support. Uh, in addition, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, Zach Schwartz, and KB. Finally, the Plaid level supporters, some real uh, generous folks that have been supporting me for a very, very long time here. I'm very grateful to all of you. George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thanks to all of the very generous Patreon backers at those higher tiers. Getting that shout out every week in addition to all the other perks and bonuses I've got on the Patreon. For a snoring Daisy the Boxer to my left, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was the palindromatic Ride the Lightning episode 353. I wish you all a wonderful week. Happy electric motoring. 
and I will see you back here same time next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.